You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I have an incredibly important announcement for you and a website for you to get details. Of course, it's going to be on the show notes page as well for this episode, akilasrichards.com forward slash six one. But let me tell you, you're going to get so much from this episode, as is always the case. I get so much from these episodes, and I'm so happy to know that you do too. But let me tell you, taking it a step further by meeting up in person, connecting with folks one-on-one, looking in people's eyes, looking at body language, hugging, holding hands, that's such an important part of what we do here at Fear of the Free Child in terms of nurturing and encouraging and even creating community. You have an opportunity to do that next month. On February 3rd, the Liberation and Education Summit, the very first one is happening here in Clarkston, which is right outside of Atlanta, right outside of I-285. This is being hosted by Heartwood ALC, Heartwood Agile Learning Center, and it is about accelerating social justice through self-directed learning. It's a Saturday, February 3rd, 2018, and it's going to include activities and discussions about self-directed education and marginalized groups. We're going to be talking about SDE as a practice toward liberation and also creating and sustaining spaces for SDE. So you got to come through if you are at any stage in your SDE journey, whether you are just starting out or deeply immersed, if you have any level of connection with SDE, you got to come through February 3rd. Take the road trip, or if you're already in Atlanta, you know you have to be here. It's going to be really filled too with not just an introduction of the context of SDE, but really working through some of the obstacles to effective self-directed education with that social justice focus. So there's going to be dialogue, brainstorming workshops, breakout sessions, panel discussions, You're going to meet some folks who've been on this podcast, including Lane Santa Cruz, who I will get to hug in person. She and I will host a space or hold a space together on a panel. You can register. It's 25 bucks per adult. There are also some specials going on. There's a shared registration option. We also will have a childcare component. Lunch is going to be provided, vegetarian and vegan options, all that good stuff. The registration deadline is January 25th, which is right around the corner. So please head over to heartwoodalc.org forward slash summit. Or if you're not going to remember that because you listen to this in your car, just go to the show notes page, akilasrichards.com forward slash six one. We need to see you in the space. We need to hear what's happening for you. Do come through. All right. That na make it, yo, that na make it. Madame Joe have a style when I'm that na make it. If sitting flop on it, na act, yeah, that na make it. <laughs> what y'all know about Madame Joe and that na make it? Okay, so somebody sent a voice memo to my site last week saying that they were missing out on their patois lesson. So I figured I would start this episode with one. That na make it, that na make it, okay? 
And you can go to the show notes page for this week's episode and I will give you the English translation for that to make it if you haven't figured it out by the end of this episode. So that's the theme for this one because today's guest and I are talking about how, as Yolanda talked about when we were talking about self-care a couple of episodes back, getting the massage and taking a vacation, but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes the massage no make it you're going to need more than that. Sometimes self-care is an accountability partner. Sometimes self-care is doing something that doesn't feel good, like leaving an environment or changing a behavior that was actually rewarding in some sense, right? So let's get real about the not-so-feel-good side of self-care. On his blog, superandhuman.me. Anthony has a post called The Why. It reads, I learned recently that my story doesn't belong to me. Also, it worries me that if I don't tell my own story, then someone else might do so incorrectly or co-opt it. When I look up stuff about this, I don't find many black and brown men speaking from a position of experience. There might be an academic type talking about the research and statistics. You might find media personas talking about the phenomenon not being acknowledged or addressed. Maybe there's a celebrity who's open about it with a smile, and they talk about how much they love their therapist. What is hard to come across is someone with whom I can relate. A low-income, previously religious, black-slash-brown man who's a first-generation college grad that's not exactly on the other side of the mountain. Representation matters. I don't know exactly where this will lead. I have considered the potential outcomes, and some are not favorable. Stigma and misconception abound. It's also possible that this will be beneficial to someone. I guess that's what matters the most. So here it is, my truth. So we'll be talking with Anthony Galloway, a.k.a. Tony Kryptonian, <laughs> super and human on this third track on the de-schooling release party mixtape. We're talking brown boy joy, education and mental health with Anthony. And we're going to touch on a little bit of all of those in our episode I encourage you, of course, to go over to Anthony's blog as well, superandhuman.me. Anthony has a lot of good stuff coming up this year, too, co-hosting the Agile Summer along with Michaela Streeter. He's also facilitating self-directed education every day at Heartwood. It's my pleasure, really, to bring Anthony back to this podcast. I consider myself someone who happily whole space for Anthony to continue to just bloom and share and give. And he is committed to doing that this year. So let's listen to Anthony talk about how he is de-schooling his self-care practice. You think that's air you're breathing now? What self-care looks like for me, to be totally honest, I think I'm still discovering that and trying to tease that out. Honestly, I used to hate that phrase. You used to hate that word just because of how I felt like it was used in the hippy dippy way that people talked about it. And like over- yoga. <laughs> yes, like yoga. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> and so 
I've recently come to understand like what that word means and like what it should, how it should actually be practiced. And while I've identified methods of intentional self-care for myself, I've not gotten to the point of actually practicing that stuff just because, you know, it is something that I'm not used to. And also those things are not things I have traditionally thought of as worthwhile or signs of productivity. Right. Previously, I've just considered stuff like that to be frivolous and on the side and, you know, not something to not something that I have permission to take seriously. Yeah. Uh, stuff like what? So like at heart, I am de- I'm definitely an artist. I've explored music. I've explored visual arts and even some performing arts outside of music. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved that. So, you know, I've played I've gotten at least for a year. I've played um, like four different instruments, each of those for like a year. And then I I was a singer, you know, at what point do you stop identifying as a singer um, <laughs> right. after you stop singing in an organized fashion? But a singer, I love to actually really love to paint and draw. I've always been a doodler. I'm very into um, certain kinds of art and media. Mm. I just got this digital drawing tablet and it was like great entry level price, but I have not been consistent in making time for me to just practice, learn how to do that. Yeah, I have a camera that I really enjoy and I like taking pictures sometimes. But again, these are all things I don't make time to do and dedicate time for that. Oh, if you know, if I have time and energy left over, I will do that. But then it's always wherever it can fit in the margins. Do you ever think about whether that shit will ever change or if you'll always be trying to fit in all the other aspects of you into your life? Luckily, because of Heartwood and the what I'm increasingly trying to get myself to practice what I preach. And so I'm trying to really implement being intentional about my time and being intentional about certain pursuits and activities and scheduling my day out and Mm -hmm. being able to reflect on things and being able to, you know, look at my practices and look at how I'm doing my life and change that up a little bit. So having more meta moments rather than just always being in the midst of it all in the case sometimes. I think I'm getting better at it over time. Like I've, I mean, it's taken me, you know, at this point, six months to truly get comfortable with, like my pursuits are worthwhile. You know, art is a worthy endeavor. You know, I follow so many artists on Instagram and like there are people doing very similar things to like my particular brand of expression and they are, you know, living the the life, living their best life. So I'm I'm slowly growing into that comfort and now it's just about making, you know, regular time to pursue those things. Even when we know them intellectually, even if we've made certain mental shifts, <laughs> it still takes quite a bit of consistent heavy lifting, right, to make it something that that feels normal it, or even attainable, not even normal, just fucking attainable. Like you can do it consistently and be okay. Yeah, I um for a minute here at the school, I was, I had something called Artist Jam. It was a Wednesday morning that I was going to take an hour out of time to just do like some art. You know, I was just going to do stuff and anybody who wanted to participate and do their own kind of art or do some type of art exploration with me was free to do that. I would mm-hmm. play some music and it would just be a sacred time for that activity. 
And it was great. It was wonderful. And then as time moved on, I started to, I told myself I wanted to like explore different things. And I kind of lost the sentiment of it where I made it like this guided activity. It's like, hey, you guys, let's do this. And I turned it more into like a class or an offering mm. rather than keeping it as like just a protected time for me I to see. start. So I, I easily quickly lost the focus on the self-care aspect of it and made it into work. <laughs> and so from there, it grew into another parent um, sort of doing a tour of different eras and, and modes of art, like expressionism and all these other things, which, you know, I quickly and like easily stepped to the side because that was something that I was not able to facilitate. Yeah. And I definitely wanted that for the kids. But I forgot to reschedule or put some other time for artist jam, which is just, again, centering me, honestly, in just holding space, which is even though like what happened was not bad, but it's very much my tendency of easily moving myself out the way, what I perceive as, you know, a greater good. So I really wonder, you know, how we shift over into a space where, as you said, we practice what we help to facilitate. Are you noticing any ways that you are de-schooling yourself where it is feeling a little easier to actually do some of the things that you set aside the time to do? For me, it's just been continuously sort of repeating that lesson in my mind, like telling myself that mm -hmm. um, and just giving it time to really settle in for the feeling and that for that cognition and then the feeling to change. I think I'm right on the cusp of a practice. Just, you know, let's do it. Do you find that self-directed education or being a part of that space in the different ways that you occupy it? Do you think that that is a form of self-care for you? I think it facilitates or allows me to to give attention to more self-care. Definitely, and just by nature of the work, self-care almost becomes necessary because of, that's kind of what I'm preaching. You know, what do you want to do? What feels right? Let's do this. But if I'm, I'm prioritizing it for everybody else, but if I'm not doing it, how can I actually really emphasize it and, and pump that out in the environment? Like in a way that feels like super authentic and raw. And they'll right. see it too, because you're I'm around rough, like really rough. interesting kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Empaths, some of them. Yeah. And you, you've used that term atypical, which is, you know, just obviously really befitting. It's just an atypical group of folks and they would totally, totally see it. And I also think it would be such a waste of, you know, just allowing yourself to live in a space where, as you guys say all the time, work is play, play is work and being able to, um, be part of a larger movement that helps folks to live that, not just like intellectually process it, but to put it into practice. And that can be really, really difficult for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, it's odd because similar to what you said, struggling with just adulthood and things just not looking like how I was told that they were going to look. I followed the steps and did not get to the destination. And so now I'm very much in these uncharted waters. And like there, there are people out there and groups out there for as great reference points, but like definitely not anybody who has been exactly where I am. And so it, that presents a certain struggle. And then being passionate about the work or being, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. And for, I think for a moment, the work was self-care because it was how I wanted, what I wanted to do and, you know, how I wanted to make a living as opposed to other ways. Mm -hmm. um, but then there, it's, it's helped me realize and come to terms that there are other components of me 
that went unnourished and underdeveloped for so long and over time and feeling like, oh, you know, there's there's more to be gotten, you know, <laughs> out of life in general and yes. out of this out of this particular phase of my life. Yes. And that can be so jarring and also empowering. And, you know, we're not doing this like sitting in the Himalayas somewhere. We're doing this while we are also adulting. Um, and nurturing self and, and reconnecting to things like joy. You've used the term, at least in writing, about Black boy joy and even on the larger scale, mental health and mental wellness. And, you know, it's just so important that we're able to connect these things to our everyday lives and our everyday experiences because they are connected to our everyday lives. How are you prioritizing, in a sense, that idea of Black boy joy? How do you find joy? Is that the same as self-care for you? I've never realized that those things, the things that I would categorize under like black boy joy mm-hmm. um, in my like daily or weekly life, I guess those are like moments of self-care. If any, they're like micro self-care kind of moments that I did not even realize I was doing. They're just moments where I'm like, I'm not going to opt into that particular stressor of life. I'm just going to do my own thing. I mean, I <laughs> hope this is appropriate. But the first phrase I thought of when you asked me that was, fuck what you heard. heard. Um, um, (laughs) Like, I'm just going to do, you know, what I want to do. Yes. Life is short and much too short to worry or stress out over like these little things that I just know don't actually matter. Or I refuse to believe like there's there are things you think are like, you know, mountaintops or Mm -hmm. significant. And then you get on the other side and you realize. Oh, but actually nobody on the other side cares about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that was actually really small. And for me, my life has been so full of these moments where you think whatever it is is such a big deal. Like you have to work so hard for it or it's just a stressor. And you get on the other side and you see that one, that was never true. It's an mm-hmm. a and then big deal of it all or it mattering was an illusion. So now I'm just much more critical about everything. It's like, I'm going to prioritize the way I want to do things and what I want to do. And I will still be critical about it and see like, is this the best way? Yes. Ultimately, sometimes people give you advice and it's from a totally different perspective. Again, uncharted waters. So be careful about the advice that I take in and from where. Yes. Just learning that I can trust myself to make a decision. And I think that's a a tough thing for a lot of us because we spend so many years inside of a space where there's really no room to do that. K through 12 and then on, there's not really a lot of room to do that. So we're just figuring out a lot of us how to do that and how to um, support young people as they do it. Yeah, it's interesting work. Um, (laughs) This conversation is helping me to realize, yo, I like say I want to do these things but I don't actually make time to do them. Lately, I have found a, a, a better little to-do system for myself. Like my phone is the right size where a post-it note can fit right on the back of it. Ah. And away. So I'll write stuff on there as reminders or to keep in my mind. And at the end of the day or beginning of the next day, if there's something that still rele- is still relevant, I'll transfer it, but ultimately throw the old one away. Yeah, I love that. Learning your rhythm, little things like that, that make sense for you. Like even whether it's better for you to write something out, you know, like a handwritten thing versus putting it in Evernote or Trello or whatever. These are some of the things that can really be about self-care too. Anthony is teaming up with Michaela Streeter. 
who runs the life school here in Atlanta to bring the Level Up Summer Retreat, which is an agile summer adventure for teens of color. This summer, they'll be traveling to Atlanta and Savannah, Georgia, two cities rich with culture, history, and entrepreneurial spirit. The trip will be a mix of group activities and self-directed exploration. Get details at levelupsummer.com. Rise to the occasion, look at yourself and say you're strong. No one can stop you, oh yeah. Rise to the occasion. Specifically when you choose to have a certain type of relationship with children, that's very different than maybe the one that we've experienced. You face yourself a lot, you know, because it's so much easier to be like, you're a child, shut up or sit down or, you know, use whatever um, power I have. So it's like you're constantly facing your own shit. Do you find that as well as a facilitator? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I'll just say that I am low key, like kind of jealous of my students <laughs> that I just wish I got to be in this kind of environment. However, I imagine myself going back in time and being in this environment, not thinking I sometimes I think people forget to like imagine kids in context. Like if I was always in an environment like that, I wouldn't even be the same kid. So then I, I come to the point where it's like, oh, well, I wish I like transferred to an environment like this after like fifth or sixth grade, because then I would have had certain skill sets already there. I would have had self-directed education. I would have been free to explore stuff in the good parts, you know, wouldn't have been hammered out in the, <laughs> in the following six or seven years. Like I'd still have some of that pizzazz and interest in learning and like not hyper-focused on grades and whatnot. So yeah. I get super kind of jealous sometimes. And even then I have to really assess, like I get mad when like something will happen and I was like, okay, push through it, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, everybody has like their different like levels. While I might have actually had to push through that, and and I'm thinking that like I pushed through that, you should be able to push through that, or you should learn to push through that. That's just not everybody. Everybody's not going to have the same thresholds or paths. Like there are definitely things that are hard or impossible for me that somebody else would say, "Okay, you should be able to do that. This is so easy. I had to deal with that, or I had to work around. It shouldn't be that hard for you." A lot of moments do come up like that at school where I'm just really having to check myself. Yeah. I'm not bringing my own kind of uh, trauma or triggers or, you know, biases into this. Well, I'm hoping that you make the time, Anthony, to dive a little bit further into your interests, all of them and all of the varying ways you're in a good city to do that too. Atlanta has like a little bit of a lot of it. So, yeah. <laughs> so we just have to figure out what that looks like time-wise. I'm kind of pushing myself and realizing that like, okay, I'm doing like the mental and emotional work and letting long time to pass, but I could easily allow myself to linger in that far too long mm. to the point where my interest or passion in something else fades and I just continue to fall into the cycle of, oh, I'm just going to prioritize the work and not sort of this myself or the things that I need. Mm. Um, So I really do need to, I need to step outside my own body and be a facilitator for myself so that I can like have the time somebody to just sit me down and say, Hey, this is, this is the schedule you want, right? You said you want to do this. Let's make a schedule. Let's do the thing. That sounds like a meeting we're absolutely going to have in January. Yeah. um, Okay. So 
one, I just love the fact that you're doing the type of work that you're doing, occupying the space that you're occupying. And I always wonder um, whether they're like, closet Anthony's out there who are just like, well, I don't want to be a part of the traditional school system, but what might it look like outside of that? I have two friends who are currently going through that struggle. Mm. Like They are in contact with me regularly. They know what type of school I run. They know that they do not want to be in a traditional school system. And it's just a matter of they've decided that they want to open a school or very interested in doing this at that point. And they've told me but I think they they might have to go through their own process still of trying to test or, or figure out certain things like, oh, is there a way for us to be public or charter? Or can mm. we still be financially accessible? Like they might just have to ask those questions and research and come to the conclusions themselves. Even though I've like answered that stuff and then sort of tried to run through certain questions about, you know, the approach, the methodology of philosophy and there's still like some resistance there because one friend's saying, oh, you know, maybe in the next five or 10 years. And I'm saying, that's far too long. <laughs> yeah. Kind of similar to people who come into it as as parents where you can answer all the questions for them. And boy, do I get the questions thrown at me. I'm sure you do too. But it's still just like, you know what? Go down the path a little bit and then holla back. Yeah. Because <laughs> cause there's always going to be something that makes it feel um crazy or it just feels like it's not clicking or you know, just the defensives become so strong um, mm -hmm. that you just got to have the experience. Best way for folks to get in touch if they want to reach out. Email address is agallowayjr at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to put that on the show notes page as well. Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at akilasrichards.com. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning. 